episode 36 here of the Cherokee Rewind set to start. I am Mick. Hope you're having a good one. Uh, the episode this time around, I've got a guy who, well, he's done a little bit of everything here in uh, with the Cherokee. Uh, he spent time as a player. We'll get into that, I'm sure. Also uh, spent a minute or two as, um, well, actually more than that, as a coach. Uh, this guy has done, he's into coaching. Uh, he's been in coaching for a long time up in Michigan and uh, goes by the name of Rob Kroll. And Kroll, I call him Crowley a lot. I, 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 he was just, he's always been Crowley to me. So uh, anyway, Crowley, good to have you here. Thanks for hanging out with us here on this episode. Hey, Mick. I was, I'm so glad to be here. And uh, it's about time you picked my name, man. <laughs> you know, I, I saw the when you had Mike Kellemeyer on, I saw the ratings, and it was the lowest rated podcast ever. I heard so. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure Mr. Kellemeyer will have a thought or two on that subject when <laughs> when he hears this. Anyway, hey Curly, uh, let's talk a little bit here. First off, uh, what part of Michigan are you from? You're from, if I'm not mistaken, uh, just outside of Detroit in the Burbs, right? No, actually, a little bit further uh, southwest of Detroit. I'm actually from Milan, just up the street oh, from Toledo. So, okay, yeah, so you're yeah, just so, outside of Ann Arbor. Okay. Yeah, just north of Dundee, so about 15, 20 minutes south of Ann Arbor. Gotcha. So I was born and raised there, yep. Okay, so tell me, uh, obviously hockey is big in your, bl- in your blood, but how did you get started in the game? Well, uh, my dad got me started um, – my dad was a hockey fan. He grew up in upstate New York. And uh, one of his good friends growing up was Ted Sater, who coached for the Buffalo Sabres back in the 80s. Ted oh, Sater's yeah. been all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, last I knew he was coaching overseas. Uh, I don't know if he's still involved or if he's retired. But uh, I started late. Uh, I started really late compared to hockey players, um, especially nowadays. Um, I was in, I believe, fifth grade. And I remember my dad came home. It may have been, I feel like it was Christmas break. And dad came home from work one day and he said, hey, you want to go ice skating? And I said, sure. And then from there he said, hey, do you want to get into hockey? And before you knew it, I was over in Ann Arbor. And I remember the first time I was on skates, um, you know, I was out with, I, I was probably... Uh, a squirt, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I was out you know, with kids my age and they were so far beyond me. And it was it was very, very discouraging because I, you know, I got a late start. And uh, I remember my dad took me to every open skate that there was at Betts Park Ice Arena and Ann Arbor or Yost Ice Arena. Wow. And every open skate he would take me to. And uh, that's really where I... <laughs> You know, some of my former teammates would make fun of me. I was never a great skater. But uh, at that time, I would, um, you know, I just, I always worked on my backward skating. Okay. And uh, that's really what gave me the opportunity to make my first travel team in Ann Arbor was my backward skating. Okay. Um, I remember my, my first uh, travel coach was Tom Hunsiger. His, his uh, son was David Hunsiger, played at University of Michigan back in 1997. Right. And, um, um, yeah, it was, it was really my backward skating that, that got me a shot in travel hockey. So um, that's where I started was Ann Arbor Travel. Wow. Okay, so let me ask you. Uh, you, you, you went there. Now, did you play hoc, uh, high school or did you go stick strictly with travel? Yeah, I, I stuck uh, strictly with travel, and uh, you know I was never a triple A caliber player. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, my dad and I, when we look back, we always laugh at how much we didn't know compared to what we know now. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd go to a, you'd go to a team, there, uh, a trial for one of the AAA teams in Detroit, and there'd be a hundred kids out there trying out, and you actually thought you had a shot. <laughs> and wow. you know, the you know, there was probably maybe one spot open. I mean, the teams were 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 pretty much picked. Um, so you know, we were a little naive going to those tryouts but really we're I feel like Mick the, the the big game changer for me was actually in Toledo Sylvania specifically and it was kind of the pre Toledo Cherokee years okay. um I was hunting for a team because a lot of when I was playing travel in Ann Arbor the, the the travel teams in Ann Arbor were geared to promoting their kids and developing them for high school hockey. Mm-hmm. Ann Arbor Huron and Ann Arbor Pioneer had big high school programs. Sure. And uh, the population of hockey players back then was a lot greater because Pfizer and Ann Arbor, um, you know, as soon as Pfizer left Ann Arbor, I feel like the population of hockey players went down. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was kind of the big thing, Ann Arbor Huron, Ann Arbor Pioneer High School. So obviously I went to Island, we didn't have high school hockey. Uh, I was looking for a travel team and uh, – there was an ad, I believe, in Hockey Weekly uh, for the Sylvania Hawks. And uh, we went down to the, uh, there was one at Tam O'Shanner. We went down there. We had no idea what uh, what it was going to be like down there. And we went down there, and I made the team. And uh, Dr. McCarthy was the head coach. Todd Omi was the assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of uh, future Cherokees on that team. I mean, uh, we had an unbelievable team, Nick. Uh, we ended up winning the Ohio State Championship and went went to uh, we went to the national tournament. That would have been in 1991. That was going to so, be my next question: Was when was this? Holy cow! Yeah, that was my sophomore year in high school, 1991. And on that team, we had Renegar was on that team. John Cotton was on that team. Uh, Mike Jones was on that team. Adam Edinger, Craig Ossenmacher. Uh, I mean, Josh Beard, uh, Chris Miller, Tommy Wolf. So some future, uh, Michael May was our goalie. So future, there was a lot of future Cherokees on that team and a lot of guys that uh, went on to play Division One college. You know, Mike Jones and Adam Edinger played at Bowling Green. Craig Ossemacher played at the University of Michigan. Uh, so a lot of talent on that team. So really, that was kind of the pre-Toledo um, Cherokee years, and that's where everything kind of got started. Holy cow. So with all those guys, I mean, kind of all hanging out together and playing, when they put together the uh, the Cherokee organization came into existence, if I'm not mistaken, in 91-92. Uh, well, it was actually, so uh, it was the first, the inaugural season was 1993, was the 1993 okay. season. Now, the preparation was probably you know, the year or two before that. But I somewhere, I've got a box with scrapbook and hockey pictures somewhere in the basement. But I still have the Hockey Weekly. Uh, when they first, when the Cherokees first came into the league, it was still the North American Hockey League Junior B. Yep. And um, uh, I still have the Hockey Weekly that had the draft in it. And I was a late round draft pick in the Toledo Cherokees um, inaugural draft. Okay. And, uh, you know, and I, I think I still have a letter that I got. Um, it probably came from Chuck LeMay. But uh, when I got drafted, um, Ed Keene was the head coach. 
And um, so anyways, I remember I went down there and, and uh, you know, I knew I got drafted because Chuck LeMay and Chris Renegar, Dr. McCarthy, they, you know, they had a relationship with me. They knew who I was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I went down there thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to play for the Toledo Cherokees. Well, when I went to camp, you know, I, I, I was kind of, I didn't realize how many players were there from all over the country, you know, trying to get a spot. Like, just, it showed me just because you got drafted didn't mean that you automatically had a spot on the team. And, you know, that's true in juniors today. And even in the NHL, you see guys that get drafted and, and yeah, they're excited. It's quite an honor to be drafted, but it's, you still have to make the team. Yeah. And, um, so I felt like, you know, we had, we skated that whole summer. It would have been, um, the summer of 93. And, uh, we were, we did, there was uh, two or three teams that, uh, the Cherokees put together. We had a summer league and, um, I'll tell you what, I, I felt like I was on the bubble. Definitely. And, um, I, I made the team and, uh, but you know how it is with juniors. I mean, you got sometimes five, six kids in the stands, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, it was a first experience for me in juniors. Like, I remember, um, you know, going down to Tam O'Shanner before the first couple of games and the, the list of the starting lineup or who dressing was posted. And I remember I'd have to call on a pay phone uh, from the old lobby there at Tam O'Shanner, call home to let my mom and dad know not to come down because I was sitting in the stands. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so, like, you never knew if you were going to get the tap to – to get in the game or if you were going to be sitting in the stands. So that was kind of my first experience um, in the, the junior hockey world. And it was, it was definitely eye-opening. Well, let me ask you, uh, were you always a defenseman? I know you talked about learning to skate backwards, but did, were you always a defenseman or did you spend any time at all up front? Well, I did late later in my junior career. I spent one season at forward. I'll get to that in a bit, but... Um, I was always a defenseman, and I mean, I was your classic 1980s, early 90s stay-at-home defenseman. I had no hands, no feet, um, <laughs> so, you know, just uh, get the puck out of the zone, and, and you know, I definitely liked the physical play and would go into the corners, and, I, you know, I'd look to knock your block off, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, when I, when I hit, I, would, I was going to hit to hurt you, and um, that was just my mentality. And I enjoyed that part of the game. Um, so I was, you know, I was primarily a defense. I definitely wasn't a finisher. I wasn't a goal scorer by any means. I'm sure if Kellemeyer or any of you know, Bricker or any of these guys are listening, they're going to be falling out of their chairs laughing. Um, but uh, when I, um, it was probably a month or so into that 93 season, um, Chuck LeMay pulled me aside and uh, <laughs> told me I got traded to uh, the Metro Jets. Wow. And, uh, you know, I remember it was a, it was a package deal. Uh, I think it was Chris Robert. It was from Saginaw, I believe, and myself uh, got dealt to Metro Jets, like, I think for a bag of pucks. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, I was devastated at the time, right? Because, you know, I loved, um, you know, a lot of my friends were on the Cherokees, uh, you know, Obviously, Chris Renegar, Chuck LeMay, you know, in the front office, Dr. McCarthy, like, I, I liked all those guys, you know, uh-huh. and, uh, um, you know, it, it, rejection's hard, I think, especially at that age, right? Yeah. Uh, as you get older and you mature, you, you learn how to deal with rejection. Rejection's not necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, at that point in time, I was a senior in high school, and, 
you know, you, you've got your goal, your end goal to try and get to Division One college hockey or beyond. And, you know, I, I, I thought it was a step backwards, right? And, uh, you know, I knew nothing about the Metro Jets. And uh, the Metro Jets was a hike from my house because my was to hop, skip, and a jump north of the Ohio border, right? Sure. You know, I could get to Tam when I was living in Milan at my mom and dad's. I could get to Tam O'Shanner and probably pretty close to thirty minutes. And uh, the Metro Jets skated at Lakeland Ice Arena up in Waterford. Yep. And it was a solid hour drive from Milan. It was straight up twenty three. You get off at 59, you think you're almost there, and then it's another 30 minutes east down 59. I was going to say, it's, it's about like a year and a half going down M59 to get there. Oh, yeah, all the lights and everything. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, um, uh, you know, I remember the first day I reported to the Metro Jets, Butch Wolf was the owner, yep. GM, and head coach. Beautiful. And uh, <laughs> I think Butch has a heart of gold. Um, you know, he... Uh, I think he did did his best with with what he had. Yeah, uh, he, he didn't uh, have a lot of help as far as assistant coaches, if I remember right. But I'll tell you what, Nick, that team, the Metro Jets '93, we were terrible. Ouch. We were awful. Uh, I, I mean, we got blown out more in more games than what we were in. That's for sure. And uh, but the, the the positive for me was I played, I dressed and played in every single game in every single game and it comes down to at any level you've got to play yeah you've got to play it's, it's hard to develop if you if you're not playing did and you, um go ahead no i was just gonna say did you uh get all get your fire up when you ever you played toledo oh yeah yeah in fact um um you know i i remember that year so it had been in the fall of 93 uh, we were playing at Toledo, and uh, it was Gordy Howe day. Oh. And Gordy Howe was was at the rink signing autographs. And um, I remember I was on the uh, uh, the bench on the visitor side there. Uh, it was on the um, the loft side, the rink on yep. the loft side. Mm-hmm. And um, and anyways, uh, I remember uh, Gordy Howe was was standing kind of in the penalty box area, and I happened to be on the end of the bench. And I think it was right after the national anthem. Mm-hmm. And I remember Chris Renniger said, hey, Rob, Rob, turn around. I turned around, and she snapped a picture. I've got that picture somewhere in that box I was telling you about, my basement. And, uh, you know, when I, I just saw the picture um, not too long ago. And it's it almost looks like I'm photobombing uh, Gordy Howe, and in the <laughs> background is uh, Sean Sean Dodd, I think his name was that played for Toledo. That's and um, so, anyways, that was that was that was really cool. And then you know, I remember uh, Toledo coming up and playing us in Lakeland, and and uh, it was always a rough go. Well, let me <laughs> Toledo, ask you, Toledo would rough us up. Yeah, but when uh, when you played at East Waterford, that arena was like the coldest arena I've ever been to. Yeah, it was. It was. I remember they had this. Uh, they had the Lakeland Jets Junior A team that played out of there too, and then yep. we were the Junior Metro Jets. I remember they had this big, like model jet up in the corner, and uh, but it was pretty funny. But yeah, as bad as we were, like I said, I played in every game, and and I'll tell you what, we had some tough kids on that team, and 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 we fought every game, every game, like. It, it, it was almost like we we would look forward to the score getting out of hand because as soon as the game was out of hand and out of you know we we wouldn't have a chance the gloves were coming off <laughs> and we fought every game. 
So you got to tune your your your, your uh, fisticuff skills, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, one of the guys I played with at the Metro Jets, uh, he was, I, I thought at the time, one of the toughest guys in the league, hands down. Mm-hmm. His name was Jeff Foskett. And I'll, I, I never, I feel like with Facebook and everything, you, you run into everyone or you, you re, get reconnected with people, friends, yeah. acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this was one guy where I, I never, never saw him again after that year, 93. Well, last year, he and I got reacquainted up at uh, Ice Rink at Troy, Troy Sportsplex. It was uh, last December. Uh, I see this kid coming in. My, my son's, uh, he was a mini mite last year. Or not a mini mite, he was uh, just a second year mite. And we were playing at Troy, and I see this kid coming in, and he's got a, a, a Oakland Junior Grizzly um, jersey. And on the back, it said Bosquet. And I looked up. And lo and behold, there's Jeff Boskett walking in, wow. and uh, went up to him, and uh, and we got reacquainted, and now his son is playing on my son's team that I'm coaching right now. So oh it's kind of funny. It's just it's you know hockey's such a small world. Yeah, it's it is. funny how we ran back into each other. What goes around comes around, that's for sure. So yeah, uh, quick story about Boskett. Mm-hmm. And we were playing, um, you know, but then it was a great league. Right, that, yeah. the North American Hockey League Junior B, yeah. and it, that turned into Central States Hockey League, because there was only I think six teams in the league. You had you had Toledo, you had St. Louis, you had at the time Downriver Blades, yep. Motor City Chiefs, Metro Jets, and the Cleveland Barons. And there's uh, I, I believe I'm missing oh Royal Oak, yep. Royal Oak Royals. We call them Royal Joke. So that year there were seven teams. So, you know, it was a small league. Nowadays you have leagues all over the place. Yep. You have tier one junior A, tier two, you you know, you have tier twenty junior A now. And everyone wants to play junior A and you know, everything's so much watered down. And I feel like that league was really, really good just because you didn't have all these junior leagues out there like you do now. And uh, you know, there was a lot of talent in that league. But uh we were playing um we were playing St. Louis and uh, in Lakeland, and we were getting shelled. And uh, Jeff Boss gets out on the ice, and there's about 10 seconds left to go in the game, and he's bringing the puck up the ice. And he winds up to take one last slap shot, and he turns at the last second and rifles it right at their coach on the bench. Oh. And I mean, you, know, you had guys pouring out of the bench. Oh, we had it, yeah. Yeah. It was a nice little brawl there at the end of the game, but uh, yeah, we we weren't a good team, but but we had some tough guys on that team for sure. So that was a uh, you know as far as my playing uh, development, that was a good year for me to get that ice time under my belt. Wow! So what ended up uh, because if I'm not mistaken, you ended up back with Toledo. Yeah. So so in '94, uh, I start. I came back with with Metro for my second year. Mm-hmm. And I was I was capped. I was named captain. Uh, Brian O'Neill was was the head coach, and uh, I ended up getting traded a month into that season to the Downriver Blades. Oh. Now, Downriver Blades that was the last year of the Downriver Blades. They ended up folding at the end of that season. Mm-hmm. Well, that year Downriver Blades had a really good team there. A really, really good team, and we were tough as nails on that team too. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was three teams that were that were in the hunt for first place all year long. It was the Cleveland Barons, 
the Down River Blades and the Toledo Cherokees. And it's like, you know how the teams teams have certain teams' numbers, right? Yeah. And we would we would beat Toledo every time we played Toledo. And then um, Cleveland, we couldn't beat Cleveland. So it was the three of us were battling for first place. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there was one game in particular, and I remember this because I wasn't, you know, didn't have a lot of offensive skill. Yeah. But um, I remember Toledo playing us up at um, uh, Lincoln. Our home rink was Lincoln Park. Okay. And uh, I remember, I remember playing Toledo, and um, I remember John Cotton had the puck in the corner and he was telegraphing uh, a breakout pass up the middle and I read it and I stepped up and I intercepted the pass, held it in, walked down the slot and I, I roofed it bar down. I, I probably closed my eyes to be honest with you, but uh, you know that I didn't score too many goals in juniors. So that's why I can remember specifically that one. But, uh, and then actually there was another game. Uh, Kellemeyer and I were actually talking about this this morning on the phone. But uh, Kellemeyer scored a goal against us. I think this was probably a different game. And there's video of this. Kellemeyer has the video of this because I, he showed it to me. Oh my. So right when he scores, he's celebrating. He's got his hands up. And I come in and, I mean, I plant a cross-check right in the middle of his back. Oh and I crossed, him, I cross-checked him so hard, his head snapped back. He, I turned him into a human Pez dispenser. Beautiful. And uh, I remember um, right after I cross-checked him, uh, there was a blonde-haired kid there on uh, a Dane Esterline. Yep. I don't know if you remember. You know, Dane Esterline grabbed me, and I'll tell you what, that kid was big, and he was strong. He was an ox. And I remember he grabbed me, and I, you know, the reps got, in, got into it. But uh, that was probably my first introduction to Mike Kellemeyer. But um, as, as, the, as, that, as that season went along, um, I believe uh, Cleveland ended up winning the league, if I'm not mistaken. And then we had the Gold Cup playoffs. I don't even know if it was called the Gold Cup back then. <laughs> but um, uh, so we ended up coming down to um, us or Toledo had to win the Gold Cup to advance to the national tournament uh-huh. because Cleveland won the league. Okay. So uh, we were playing, I believe we were playing Toledo – or it may have been the other way around. Toledo may have been in the stands, and we were playing Cleveland or Toledo. I don't remember, but it was at Tam O'Shanner. I do remember that. Okay. And I, I, I feel like it must have been Toledo we were playing because I remember we had Toledo's number, but wow. that game, they beat us. Wow. And I remember it was very, very disappointing because we had such a good run that year with Down River. And, uh, you know, we had our way with Toledo, so we liked our chances. We were feeling pretty confident going in against Toledo. And, and they beat us and then knocked us, knocked us out. So I believe it was Cleveland and Toledo that ended up moving on. But that year also, if I'm not mistaken, was the year um, I believe there was a coaching change at, in Toledo. And that's when uh, Doc McCarthy took over on the bench. And I think Todd Omi came on board. So, you know, it was transitioning to the coaching staff that, that I was going to go to. So then uh, after that year, um, down river folded and they had a dispersal draft mm-hmm. and I got picked up by Toledo wow. and I was, I was elated, absolutely elated to get back to Toledo. That's like coming so that's how I ended up back. Oh man, that's pretty crazy. 
Now, when did Scott come on board, Searing? So, okay, so uh, I played for Down River 94-95 season. So when I got picked back up by Toledo, that would have been 95-96 season. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, I believe that that may have been Scott's first year. Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe he was the year before. But I remember Doc McCarthy being on the bench as the head guy the year before. So I think it was Searing's first first year, too. And, uh, yeah, so that's I believe that was Searing's first year. Okay, so when you so when you came in there in ninety five ninety six, uh, how was when you walked into that locker room? How different was it as opposed to where the first time you went in there uh, as a, as a young guy? Well, it, it was completely different. Um, there was definitely less guys that I knew um, because the guy a lot of the guys that I knew going into it that first year in ninety was a ninety three. A lot of those guys had either moved on or stopped playing or, or whatever. But there were still a few guys. Uh, you know, Renegar was still there. Um, but uh, I remember when I walked into the locker room, uh, the first guy that came up and introduced himself to me was Mike Kellemeyer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, who is this? Who's this little guy? He had a Woody Woodpecker tattoo on his ankle. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, who is this clown? Right? But uh, you know what? Like. I, you know, after uh, after a while, I, I appreciated that that you know he he uh, extended that olive branch to make me feel welcome, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that so that that stands out in my mind. My goodness! So you come back to Toledo, and things have changed a little bit. Uh, did you take on a different role as far as being on the team? Did you take on a more of a leadership role? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I was a third year veteran coming back I mean that's that's not necessarily something you want to be proud of when you're when you're a third year veteran in junior B because um, <laughs> you, you know your, your whole goal is to try and play your way out of junior B and up to junior A right yeah. um, but uh, you know I was happy to be back in Toledo um, you know back with, with Chuck LeMay Chris Renegar um, and uh, yeah so I definitely took more of a leadership role that year being a, a third year veteran for sure well, you know, I, I guess I, I look at it a little different in that I was like you. I'm like, okay, these guys, <clears throat> you know, playing junior B, uh, you know, especially if they played more than a couple of years. But I guess I, you know, especially back then, I look at uh, how good and how solid the quality of hockey was back then. And there were so many guys that uh, filtered down to junior B. To uh, play in the CSH, you know, whether North American Junior B or CSHL, that I didn't think it was that big of a deal. You know, the fact that you play. I know in a, in a kid's mind, it's different. It's a little bit different. But I think that if you play, if you play in, uh, in, in a league like that, whereas opposed to now, and this is no rip on the kids now, because I love that watching the kids play now. Uh, I think the kids are faster, you know, and things like that. They're, you know, you've got more kids into hockey, so uh, that's a good thing. And I just, but it's like, I never got that whole. You, know, I mean, I understand the idea. You want to play your way up. I get that, but I never ever thought of junior B as uh, to be looked down upon, especially in the CSHL. There were other leagues that were in that at that same level. 
that went to the Nationals and stuff, and I watched them play, and I'm like, dude, we got, I mean, the CSHL to me had the best, some of the best teams, hands down. Was, I mean, top to bottom. It was great hockey. It really was. It was really good hockey. And, you know, looking back at it, you know, I, I feel like you wanted to move on to Junior A, but at the same time, there was a part of you that didn't want to because you didn't want to leave Toledo. Yep. And, you know, I have to give credit to, you know, the people like, you know, when Doc McCarthy and Chuck LeMay and Chris Reniger put the team together, so, you know, started the organization, mm-hmm. I mean, they had a vision. They had a vision and they did it right. It was very professional how they put it together. They created a great culture. And, you know, obviously, I, you know, I spent the first couple seasons away uh, on different teams. But back that culture had been established mm-hmm. and again very professional like Kel, kels and i always joke about it or laugh about it that we felt it was like our own little nhl right uh-huh. and and the way you know just the the game day prep that the organization did where they truly made you feel like pros when you were you're preparing for the game and you stepped out on the ice and the, with the national anthem and you know the announcer and play by play and just and everything was so organized with, you know, the, the selling the, the, the Cherokee memorabilia, you know, T-shirts and, and just the gold judges. I mean, everything was just run first class. And they did a great job of just creating that culture. So, like I said, there was, there was a part of you where you, you almost didn't want to leave because it was so much fun. And then, of course, you, you, you made and established those friendships in the locker room. Yeah, that's, that was the huge thing, too, was uh... – you know, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about a little bit too. Is some of the relationships you had in in that locker room, especially in your you know your third year. Uh, what was that like playing with some of those guys? Because you know you mentioned guys like uh, you know John Cotton. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else played back then. I think didn't. Uh, uh, yeah, Cotton had moved on by the time I came back to to Toledo. He's he's one of the guys that developed Nick. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, okay. Uh, that's a good but thing. No, no, it's just like, you know, just there's so many relationships established. Like, so that year, to, to come back to one of your early questions, mm-hmm. that third year, um, Searing moved me up to left wing. That was my only year in junior hockey, and I think ever, that mm-hmm. I played forward. And I played left wing. Uh, the line was uh, Kellemeyer was a center, and Brad Coombe was the right wing. And uh, the three of us got along great. Uh, we had a great relationship, and, um, you know, we each had our role on that line. And, uh, you know, when I was talking to Kells this morning, I was like, yeah, I couldn't even, I don't even remember what line we were. You know, I, I know we weren't the first line, but I, I don't even remember where we were in the pecking order. You know, we just went out and played and yeah, um, did what we had to do. And it was funny because uh, – you know, Kellemeyer, he was a he was a little uh, potster out there. I had to I have to watch my language, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I remember. Hold on, Nick. My uh, my iPod just died. That's can okay. you hear me? I can hear you fine. Or my my yeah, my earbud just died. So all right. So anyway, um, I remember being in St. Louis. We were at St. Louis, and Kellemeyer runs a St. Louis goaltender. Okay. And all five guys in the goalie go after Mike. So anyways, I jump into the fray. I throw off my gloves and 
I'm grabbing guys. All of a sudden, I'm pinned up against the glass. My helmet's off. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm taking shots from the right. I look over to the right. I take a shot from the left. You know, and I'm, I'm getting hammered. I feel like I'm fighting the whole team. And then I look out of the little slit out of my swollen eye, and I look over, and I see Kellemeyer taking a drink out of his water bottle on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, but, my. Yeah, Kellemeyer would stir the pot, and then, you know, I'd have to come in and clean up his mess. Oh, man. Well, Coop Coo- was nowhere to be found in there either, by the way. <laughs> Coomsey is always a guy. He was, to me, one of the funniest guys out there. He was hilarious to me. Yeah, um, yeah, Kuman, we had a good good relationship. You know, but, uh, you know, I mean, but, hey, let's face it, you were a tough guy. You, I mean, there's no question. I mean, and obviously, that time you spent in Metro, it, well, you know. And Downriver, really. Yeah. Well, you did, oh, you did some of that, too, in Downriver. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was a tough group of guys in Downriver. And the thing is, the difference between that team and Metro Jets, Downriver, is, uh, down river, we we were a good team. <laughs> we yeah. were a really good team, but we were we were tough. Well, I'm I'm trying to think of who. I mean, who was your besides you? Who was the who were some of the tough guys that played uh, in that third year? The third year, I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember because both you know I played there the '95 '96 season, mm-hmm. which we we went to the national tournament um, in New Jersey, and. Um, um, uh, the next year, it's funny. I've got uh, my daughter is staring at me uh, through my glass door here in the office. Hold on, Nick. Let me get rid of her. Oh, it's fine. No worries. So we went to uh, New Jersey that year to the national tournament. We had a really, really good team. Um, I really would have to. I want to see the rosters of the '95, '96 team versus the uh, 96-97 because like the rosters are get blurred because there is uh you know there is obviously those of us who played on both those teams mm-hmm. there's kind of a revolving door on the outskirts right there's always players in and out yeah. um especially both those years um you know I'll you know I I don't know that I can answer that question for the 95-96 team however on the 96-97 team um it was interesting. I found a, um, a program um, that's in, in my box, mm-hmm. and uh, it was from the Gold Cup that year, and we played Motor City in the championship. Oh, yeah. And I was looking at uh, the roster, and uh, Kellemeyer actually found this on Hockey DB, and I'm going to pull this up mm-hmm. because this is pretty incredible. When you think about that team – when you think about that team, you had, um, you know, we, we lost the national championship. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, we had a, we had a phenomenal team. We were an elite team. Sure. So 30, there was, when I was looking at the stat sheet in that program, there was eight players on our Toledo team with over a hundred minutes and penalties. Oh man. Eight. On a, on a national championship caliber team. And the funny thing is, so, you know, I think the, the, the most games anyone had was 38. I think I had 36 games. I had 160 minutes in penalties in 36 games. And Mark Deitch was ahead of me by 10 minutes. He had 170. Here's <laughs> what's hilarious. J.D. Ring. Oh, my God. 
J.D. Ring had over 100 minutes and penalties, and he only played in 13 games. That was J.D. <laughs> that was J.D. Yeah, I mean, because he spent he was he was injured the majority of that season because yeah. I believe he broke his hand in a fight punching someone in the helmet. That's that so, sounds like JD. But so, uh, so that team, think about that. We were that was a good team, and that was a tough team. Yes, with, with eight guys. You, had, you know, I was naming looking at the guys who had the over 100 minutes of penalties. Uh, there was Mark Deitch. Um, there was me. There was JD Ring. Sean Cass. Mike Kellemeyer had over 100 minutes in penalties. Uh, Derek Stum had over 100 minutes in penalties. He was he was leading the team in scoring a couple points ahead of Sean Cass. Um, yeah, Jason was just under 100 minutes in penalties, so that was unbelievable. Speaking of Derek Stum, uh, I remember when he and Mike Kellemeyer got into a fight in practice, and Derek Stum absolutely told him. Absolutely told him, and and Kellemeyer will dispute that. He'll dispute that, but there was kind of witnesses there. He he got told by Derek Stum, no doubt about it. I'm sure this will be uh, fodder for social media now for the next several months. But, <laughs> now, well, I mean, when you played ninety five, ninety six, you and through ninety six, ninety seven, you had your host, your your pick of uh, Deitch Brothers, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, the Deitch Brothers. Boy, they were they were a tough group. Um, I don't think I played with the oldest Deitch brother. He he played in Josh Toledo. Played, I think Josh he, played in what ninety five ninety six. Yeah, Josh Josh played for Toledo. I think when I was uh, at Metro and Downriver, um, and then the twins came in uh, ninety five ninety six. So you had. Uh, or actually, they may have. I don't know. They, if they were ninety six. I think they were ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah, they were ninety six, ninety seven. They were on the national championship runner up team. Yep. And um, I remember Mark Deitch. He was. I'll tell you what. He was a no nonsense, uh, tough guy. I mean, he would. He would look to knock your block off. Uh, Jason Deitch was tough. So he was more of a goal scorer. Uh, he had a little bit more finesse to his game. But, but both of those kids were really, really tough. Tough young kids coming in as rookies. Wow. Now. Um... As far as the, you know, uh, when you played, <clears throat> when you played then too, uh, what was your interaction with Searing like after being so used to the uh, to uh, Chris Renegar and Chuck and and Doctor McCarthy and everything, and then all of a sudden you get this this new guy, Scott Searing. I uh, I'll tell you what I I absolutely love Scott Searing. Uh, I love that entire coaching staff. Uh, Scott Searing, Todd Omi, Coach Zion. What's amazing, Mick, is is when I look back, you know, you don't realize how young Scott Searing and Todd Omi were as yeah. coaches. You know, uh, they don't. I mean, I, I keep in touch with those guys today, and they're, they they don't seem that much older than me. <laughs> you know, because they're not. So they. They, um, they really were young coaches, but you know, at the time when you're a kid, any coach is an old guy, right? Yeah. But um, anyways, uh, you know, that was hands down, those three coaches, that was the best coaching staff I have ever played for. And, you know, uh, you know, other guys that, you know, I played with, when, when we start talking about the coaches, they, they'll say the same thing. Uh, Sean Cass, he's got two boys that are mini-mites, and uh, they play in the same program as my daughter. My daughter's five years old. She's a mini-mite. Mm-hmm. And we play up here at Ke- in Kensington Valley at, in Brighton. And uh, I ran into Cass last weekend, 
and uh, we were sitting next to each other in the stands, and we were talking about it. And he said, "Yeah, I mean, those co- those that was the best coaching staff he's ever played for." So I think that's that's probably uh, a common theme if you talk to uh, other players from those teams. But uh, you know, I remember you know Coach Zion. He was the disciplinarian. He was the bad cop. Um, you know, he was the guy where you know you feared Coach Zion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he would. Uh, you know, he was just um, he was the bad cop. Uh, you had Omi. Omi was more of the good cop players coach. Uh, you know he'd get on you for sure um, if if he had to, but he was he was like the older brother that you didn't want to disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> like if, if you did something wrong and he was disappointed in you, that that was, was all you needed. You felt bad. Um, uh, and then you know Searing was the general. Uh, you know he was the general of the sh- the face. And I felt like he could play both good cop and bad cop as needed. Um, you know, he, he would ride the refs and he was intent. He was super competitive. Um, he was a, a very good motivator. He was a good speaker. Um, I just thought that every single coach, um, they added something to each other. Like they, they, they complemented each other. And uh, it was just a great coaching staff to play. Um, you know, as I've moved on in my coaching career, um, I've always tried to model um, my staff after that coaching staff in Toledo. And what's interesting is uh, Coach Zion, actually, i he's the one that got me into coaching. And, oh, really? uh, you know, I really consider him my mentor. And, um, uh, you know, I, he got me into coaching in 99. He was the head coach at Eastern Michigan. And he brought me on board as his assistant, and I was his assistant for two years. And then when I started coaching AAA at Honeybaked back in 04, he was my assistant coach for six years at Honeybaked. U16, Honeybaked for three years, uh, U18 for three years, and then um, I ended up moving on to uh, Bowling Green. as a director of hockey operations, but uh, you know, Coach Zion and I had a great run together, and uh, you know, he taught me so much. You know, just X's and O's of the game. Um, th- he taught me the value of practice, and then um, Omi was one of my assistant coaches with Bob Zion for uh, my Honey Baked U eighteen team uh, back in two thousand nine. <laughs> and then, yeah, so it's like you know it. it, it it comes full circle, right? So, because yeah. um, Omi took some time off, off. Omi took some time guys. off uh, during that time from the Cherokee. So, you know, obviously, he needed to get back into the coaching business because he probably his wife probably kicked him out of the house. Right, right, right. No, it's uh, they they created a great culture, Mick, and and it was very very special. Um, you know, I, I could think of some. Some a couple funny stories. Uh, well, they're funny now, mm-hmm. but um, it was the last my last year there, uh, the ninety six ninety seven season, and uh, I had turned twenty one, um, and it was uh, January, so it had been January of ninety seven. I turned twenty one, so yes, I was a four year veteran, and I got chirped all the time. All the players and the other teams who knew me would, you know, tease me and say, "Hey, when are you going to go play for St. Louis?" You know, and. You know, so I had to put up with all that, but oh, yeah. um, <laughs> so I had turned 21. So I remember um, uh, we had gone. There was a couple of a group of us that went up to the Michigan hockey game in Ann Arbor on a, a Friday or I think it was a Saturday night. Okay. And uh, we left the hockey game. I was sticking. I wasn't going back to Toledo. They were all going back. 
and um, they they asked them if I would buy them alcohol, and uh, I did. I did. I went. We 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 drove by Huckleberry Party Store in on Washington, <laughs> in between Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti, and I bought them some alcohol. And uh, so, anyways, I I stayed up in uh, Ann Arbor area that weekend. We did. I think we had the weekend off. So we had practice. I think it was on it was a Tuesday. We practiced Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I believe. And I show up at the rink on Tuesday, and I walk into the locker room, and there it was somber. Like it was, there was no one was excited to be there. It something was going on. I could tell. Like the, just the mood in the locker room. It was somber. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, one of I forget who was sitting next to me said that. Like I, I guess. Uh, they took the alcohol back, and a couple of them were being billeted by Omi's parents. Oh, no. And I guess they, they had a little bit too much to drink, and, uh, you know, I don't know if they trashed the place or, or what, but um, so anyways, they got in trouble. They got caught. And then, uh, so I was like, so I was sweating bullets, right? Because I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, did they know that I bought it? And like, you know, no one really knew, but, you know, it's, you know how it is. There's yep. no secrets, right? Oh, There's yeah. no secrets. So we step out on the ice, and uh, Searing pulls us over, and he's reading us the, the riot act. And I remember I made eye contact with, with uh, Todd Omi, yeah. and he did not break eye contact with me. He, yeah. he did not break eye contact with me. He was looking right at me. He knew. I knew he knew. <laughs> and then, and then, searing through in the comment that uh, you know whoever it was that bought it, you know who you are, and you know you should uh, you should come forward or whatever. So we ended up getting backskated that practice, and uh, after the practice was over, I remember I stepped into uh, the the coach's room or wherever they they were, and uh, I uh, I admitted it, and. Um, it was funny. I didn't know what to expect. They didn't yell at me or anything right there. They just said, okay, thanks. And, uh, you know, they said they're going to talk about it. Well, so I ended up getting suspended for, I think three or four games. And then, um, I, I, so I had to go to an AA meeting and, uh, coach Zion took me to an AA meeting. And oh, then, um, I had coach Zion made me take a hand broom and I had to sweep the Tam O'Shanner parking lot for two hours. Oh my gosh. So, so I remember that was after a practice. After practice, everyone was pulling out of, out of the parking lot with their cars like, hey, see a crow? See ya? And I had the broom, and I was sitting there sweeping the, the parking lot for two hours. So oh yeah, gosh. that was my punishment. So uh, <laughs> you, you do stupid stuff as a kid. Yeah, you do. And then, you know, all things considered, you kind of got off light. Looking right. back right. at yeah, it. No, yeah, you're, no, you're absolutely right about that. But, uh, you know, searing... Searing, uh, you know, he knew what my role was. I knew what my role was. And I remember uh, that, you know, I'm probably repeating some of the stories that maybe Kellemeyer told, uh, but that they're, they're actually probably being told now from the, the correct perspective. But um, <laughs> No, he didn't tell anyway, me that we were, I remember we were in the Gold Cup. Um, I, I believe this would have been, now this would have been in the 95-96 season, if I remember correctly. Um, because I believe we had won the league. So we had an automatic bid, and we were playing St. Louis in the Gold Cup, and I think it was at City Arena in downtown Detroit. And um, St. Louis' Louis's captain, I remember it was, I think his name was uh, Chris Reedy. 
His uh-huh. name is Eric Reedy or Chris Reedy. Yep, Chris Reedy. And uh, I remember he, he scored a big goal late to pull away and basically put the game out of hand. And he skated right after he scored. He skated right by our bench, and he looked right at Searing dead in the eye and stuck his tongue out, waggled his tongue at Scott Searing. And Scott was pissed. Yep. And he was like, cool, get out there, get out there. You got, you got the green light. So, you know, obviously I knew what to do. So I, I go out on the ice, and we hadn't faced off yet. And uh, um, uh, Kellermeyer was like, Coley, what, what are you waiting for? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm going to wait for him to drop the puck. I'm going to go get him. He was like, just go get him now. So I was like, <laughs> I shrugged my shoulders. I'm like, all right. I skated up to Reedy, and I dropped my gloves, and he turtled. Now mythology has it that I dragged him around the rink by the back of his pants and <laughs> Kellemeyer will have you think that that's what I say but yeah. I think that's what Kellemeyer says I don't remember what happened after that I remember he turtled and then um, I remember a time we were also in St. Louis and uh, you know St. Louis we, we had a great rivalry with them they were yes. a really really good team yes. I mean we were we were always competing with St. Louis for the for championships and uh, we were at St. Louis, and I remember we weren't playing well. This is funny. I've got a, this is on a VHS tape in my box in the basement. Doc McCarthy was actually doing the play-by-play on video, yeah. and John Reniger was doing some color commentary. And we weren't playing well at all. And I remember Searing gave me the green light to, to like get us going. So I go out and I, I line up as a forward uh, right in front of uh, the St. Louis the St. Louis uh, net. Mm-hmm. And I was lined up next to Reedy. And I was just going to grab Reedy right off the face off. And St. Louis's coach knew what was going on. So he had Reedy change with that. There's a bigger guy. I think his name was Bill Senegal. I think was his name. Coombe would be able to. He knew all those guys. So Senegal comes over and he was, he was a pretty big boy. And they, you know what? They dropped the puck, and both of us squared off, dropped our gloves, and uh, and 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 you know what, Nick? I whooped his ass. <laughs> I whooped his ass, and I remember in between uh, in between periods, uh, Searing came into the locker room, and uh, he was he was bitching at the team, but he, he gave me some accolades. And, um, so I, I always remember that that stood out. So like you know, Searing knew what my role was. I knew what what, what my role was. I wasn't I wasn't there to score goals. Uh huh. And uh, well, that's true. Now, uh, you guys, you know that long beyond you, that that rivalry with St. Louis was uh, something else. I mean, it, uh, it. I mean, well, first off, those guys. If you remember, I mean, those guys. They had guys that ended up in the NHL. The, uh, over the years, they put they oh, put. Yeah, I think Stastny, Stastny was not, there. Well, yeah, Stastny, Jan Stastny was there also. You know, I mean, you're thinking about Paul Stastny. Yeah, he yeah. played there, but so did uh, Brandon Bullig Won a cup with the Blackhawks. And okay. I remember when he played in St. Louis with the Junior Blues. <laughs> Jack Behan. Yeah. Well, the other thing I was kid Jack Behan, who was their coach during their uh, during their dynasty there. I mean, in the. I forget how many national championships they won over a decade. I think like five or six. Anyway, the thing was was that with I always kid Jack. I said, "Yeah, it's because you guys were one of the only states that uh, didn't uh, that allowed kids to play both high school hockey yes. and junior yes. hockey." Yes. Yep. You know, they were the, the, them, and I think one other state, and that was it. Uh, right. That, that allowed that, and uh, so I would kid him about that. But uh, you know they had some tremendous talent 
coming out of St. Louis because all the kids could stay home that if they were really good in high school and needed to play, you know, still play junior. I mean, right. my gosh, they had a great opportunity there. And uh, they did. They had, a, they had a really, really good program. You know, they, you know sto- stories are flying through my head, uh, you know, from back in the day. Let them rip. And, uh, you know, we were talking about relationships with the guys in the locker room. And uh, that, 90, that 96, 97 team, uh, like we had a routine. Where, so we had Tuesday, Tuesday practice was usually after school. Yeah. And then uh, Wednesday was like a really um, – um, I think Tuesday was more late afternoon, early evening. Wednesday, I feel like, was right after school. And then we had Thursday night practices. So I feel like, that there, in a way, I didn't get the full uh, junior experience because I was commuting from Milan. And mm-hmm. at the same time, I remember I was going to – I just started going to school part-time at the University of Michigan. So um, I think I, I went for one semester in, at the fall of 95 to Washington Community College, and I transferred to the University of Michigan part-time. So there was a lot of times where I had to get out of the locker room and get home because I had homework and uh, had studying to do. So there was a part of me that that felt you know like I missed out on a little bit of the experience, you know, not billeting there. But you know, we had a routine where on Wednesdays, we would go down and um, they had us set up at a, it was a workout facility. It was, it was like at a medical facility. You might know what I'm talking about. It's right on the water in downtown Toledo. Um, it was a beautiful facility. Lots of windows. I don't, I don't know if you know of the facility I'm talking about. No, because so much has changed down there. that. I yeah, think... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely changed for sure. And so anyways, we would meet down there Wednesday morning and we would work out. Well, I would work out. And uh, Kellemeyer would sleep on the mats. I think Avink, JD would uh, would meet us down there. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, Avink and Kellemeyer, they were cleaning movie theaters, uh, like, really early in the morning, and then they would meet us over there. Mm-hmm. And then we'd get our workout in, and then we'd shoot baskets or, or whatever, and then we would go have uh, breakfast at the city diner. Oh, yeah. And um, and then we would uh, eggs you know, and eggs. Some work. What's that? Eggs and legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that still there? Is uh, City Diner still there? Not there. Not the one you guys went to. Okay, all right. Yeah, it was. If I remember right, it was like kind of a dive. Yeah. And um, so anyway, and then we would usually have time to kill, and we'd go, we'd go, just hang out at the Franklin Park Mall, and just you know, to find good looking girls and flirt with them and everything. So a couple, couple stories at the Franklin Park Mall. So there was a girl that was working in a store that Kellemeyer thought was cute. Uh-huh. And we, you know, we talked. We we're like, "Oh, you need to go talk to her. You need to go talk to her." So he goes into the store, and he's like pretending like he's shopping, right? So oh, this yeah. girl that he went in there to talk to goes up to him, and she's like, "Hey, can I help you find something?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm looking for something for my mom. It's her birthday." Well, come to find out, the store was Baby Gap. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was kind of funny. And then there was another store at the mall where uh, they would they would print shirts yeah and uh you know they'll claim i had it made i said i think they had it made for me but it was a t-shirt and it had my number number 16 on the back crawl and then on the front it said cshl heavyweight champ and it was about two sizes too small and uh you know i was i was big in the pumping iron but uh you know the the two sizes too small probably made me look like uh arnold schwarzenegger so (laughs) One Wednesday, we worked out. I had that shirt on. We went to City Diner. 
and there was a couple guys that came in from the Toledo storm yeah. and they walked in and, uh, you know, like I, I, I told you earlier in this conversation that, you know, it, for us, it was like our own little NHL, yeah. our own little bubble. Like we were, we were the Kings, right? Yeah. And these two guys from the Toledo storm come walking in and, you know, these were guys that we wanted to be, you know, we, we yeah. idolized them. We wanted to be in their, their shoes and skates. And they walk up to us, and we're we're flirting with the the waitress, and uh, these two guys walk up, and the waitress knows them by by their first names, right? And they know her. Oh, <laughs> and so, anyways, they they look at and they read my shirt, and they go, "CSHL heavyweight champ. What, what league is that?" And Mick, I absolutely folded. And <laughs> Calamari and I, I don't remember who was with us. Other, I know Calamari's there. I can't remember who else is with us, but. They never let me live that down because I absolutely folded and I said, "Oh, it's just this little junior league I play him." Yeah, absolutely oh. caved and folded. And uh, I, I don't. Mike would have been disappointed if I didn't tell that story, and that's probably very similar to how Mike tells it. Oh. But um, yeah, so those were those were two stories, uh, a couple stories that jumped out, and then Thursday nights. Um, we had late night practice. It was usually our special teams practice. Uh-huh. And then uh, we'd get out of the rink. I feel like it was late. Like, we, we'd get off the ice at 1030, mm-hmm. and it was right to the asylum in downtown Toledo. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you remember the asylum? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, good times. Oh, my goodness. But, uh, so, uh, who would you say was probably out of that cast of characters – who would you say was probably the most whacked out funny bunch or funniest of the bunch? Oh man, you had you had some great care. I mean, JD Ring was hilarious. Nick Deichen was he was hilarious. Nick yeah. Deichen. Um, uh, I remember one time uh, I think it was he, him, Coombe, and Kellemeyer came up. To, uh, we went to a Michigan hockey game, and after the hockey game, we went back over to my parents' house. Mm-hmm. And Deichen was going through my closet, and way back in the closet, I had this little blue suitcase that I had like a bunch of hockey cards and baseball cards in and the suitcase I got when I was a little kid and it had a it was a suitcase for a little kid and on the outside it had this little boy in shorts and this little girl in a skirt and they were holding hands skipping through this uh uh, field of daisies in the and it said going places and i think my grandma maybe bought that for me when okay. i was really little and for whatever reason it was buried in my closet and i kept baseball cards and hockey cards in it so dyson was like oh can i have this can i have this and we were like yeah absolutely you know i, I don't use it so he took it so <laughs> our next road trip to st louis he packed his stuff in that <laughs> I don't even know. He must have had one outfit because that's all that would fit in there. And he brought it on the plane, and it was hilarious. You know, it was, oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. It was just it was it was very funny. And I remember being at the airport, uh, and we would we would take thread and we would thread and needle uh, five dollar bill, and we would put it out while we were sitting down in the terminal. And you know, uh, flights would land, people would get off, and we'd we'd see how many people would bend over to pick up the dollar, and we'd pull it away. And I mean, we had people that would congregate from the other terminals watching. And I remember Chris Renniger was dying laughing. Chris Renniger was dying laughing. But uh, Dyson was a character. J.D. Ring, of course, was a character. I mean, obviously, Kellemeyer. Yeah. Um, Cass was an absolute beauty. Uh, Sean Cass. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I gotta get him. I gotta get him on here because I need to hear his side of the story about getting getting suspended for getting in a fight with the uh, St. Louis Zamboni driver. No, no, well, that, there was that, and then um, Nick, we were at Metro Jets. Uh-huh. And um, uh, it was either after the game or in between periods. I don't remember. And we had to walk through um, uh, Lakeland Ice Arena on one of the rinks. We had to walk through in between the stands to get to the locker room. Uh-huh. And it was a pretty heated game, physical game. And uh, I feel like Cass went first off the ice. Brad Coombe was second. I was third. And a couple people jumped out of the stands onto Cass, oh knocked him down, and dragged him like onto the, the, the concourse of cement. And I remember Coombe and I ran out of the side. I didn't have skate guards or anything. I ran out of the cement. I grabbed a guy, and I just started wailing on a guy. I look over. Brad Coombe's throwing punches, which I couldn't believe Coombe would actually throw a punch, but he did. <laughs> the funniest thing is I look over, and I see Cass. Cass has got... a a guy down and he's throwing knee drops to the dude's head with his shin guards. Oh my gosh. And so anyways, we're in the locker room and, you know, Searing's, you know, talking to us about the game and adjustments or whatever and the police knock on the door and they arrest Sean Cass. Oh my gosh. They they take him. They take him out of the locker room. We're like, what the hell is going on? That That was crazy. That was crazy. But Cass was an absolute beauty. You know, he was... He was a very talented offensive player. Uh, he had unbelievable hands. He had a nose for the net. He was a goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't a good skater, but he was just very deceptive. And he, he was tough, but he didn't go out and look, look for it. He would wait for the referee to turn his back, and he would chop you. <laughs> I mean, he, he would absolutely chop you. And then when you went to retaliate, Oh, he would. He looked like Dennis Rodman, man. He would just throw himself out on the ice, and he would draw penalties, man. He was a flopper, and he would draw. He would. He would get under your skin, and then you'd retaliate. And right when you retaliate, he would flop, and the referee was sending you to the box. And oh man, would he get get under your skin? And I'll tell you right now, that was a. Uh, you know, for CSHL standards, that was a blockbuster trade that year in 96-97 when we got cast. I mean, that was, that was a huge, I mean, he was the leading scorer in the league, yeah. you know, and, and we get him, and that really <laughs> litify yeah. us as far as being, uh, I think, one of the teams to beat, not only in the CSHL, but nationally. So, you know, that was a lot of offense. But wasn't, didn't he, like, when he came to you guys, wasn't it, didn't he have to start by sitting out games? Yeah, I believe, I believe so. Yes. Yeah, that was, was because of the something. that was because of the fight when he was with Motor City. That was the because he got into a fight with the uh, Zamboni driver in St. Louis, and I guess he yes, beat him yes, up. yeah, you're you're right about that. No, you you are right about that. And he, um, uh, yeah, so he came to so you know I think that um, you know it, it, there was a there was some risk with just Cass's history. Yeah, and I feel like. Um, uh, you know the coaching staff and, and and the management knew that, and I, I feel like they managed him well. And uh, you know, Sean and I, I feel like we we spent we spent a lot of time together. You know, we were kind of two older guys on the team. You know, Cass, me, Reniger. Um, you know, we were we were aging out after that year. Yeah. And um, no, but I spent a lot of time with Cass, and he he was an absolute beauty. And uh, yeah, really really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, but um, speaking of Motor City, yes, and uh, uh, Kellemeyer, I remember. I think he talked about this um, on, when he was on. But 
But uh, when we played them, we had to win the Gold Cup in 96-97 to advance to the national tournament, which Toledo was hosting. Yes. Okay? And we played Motor City in uh, in the championship. And we went to overtime. Yep. And I got... I got hammered in the corner in the offensive zone. And uh, the play went back to, down to our, to, towards our own zone, and I got up and I was skating back into the play. And um, uh, so anyways, I, I looked and, and their whole bench was looking at the puck, so I was coming up from the weak side. And I looked and I think it was either Cheeseman or Ron or uh, Steve Tolman that was refing. I can't remember, it was one of those two. And I looked and they weren't looking and I stick my I stuck my stick in the bench and I nailed every single one of those kids. Yeah, you did the slap shot. Right? Yeah, slap shot style. Well, what I didn't know is Ron Tolman, though he was lining the game, he was right behind me. So play stops, I step in the gate for a line change and Omi saw it and Omi grabbed me by the mask. Uh, and he was like, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? What are you thinking? And Ron Tolman made a beeline over to the ref. And again, I don't, I can't remember if the ref was either Cheeseman or uh, Steve Tolman. Uh-huh. And so they're over there chatting. And I'm sweating bullets, man, because now it dawned on me what I did, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, not the most disciplined thing to do. No. And uh, so anyways, they gave me a 10-minute misconduct. And we ended up winning the game in overtime, but I, I was so lucky, so lucky that I didn't put a short with a two or a five minute major. And after the game was over, uh, my dad knew the Tallman brothers because they coached my younger brother uh, on a travel team at Southgate. Okay. And uh, so Ron Ron Tallman was talking to my dad about it, and he goes, "Yeah, he goes." I can't believe your kid did that. And he goes, uh, dad goes, I can't believe you guys didn't give him at least a two minute minor. And he goes, well, I went over, I went over to, uh, uh, you know, it was either his brother or Cheeseman, like I said, and the referee said, I guess, well, what should we do? We'd give him a five minute major or what? And he was like, oh no, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen in hockey. Just give him a 10 minute misconduct. So, so fast. So we ended up winning. So we ended up getting a, a bid to the national tournament, which Toledo hosted. Yes. And that week was a fantastic week. I remember just the buzz in the air, and I feel like there was always there was different events going on that we went to. Yep. And I remember there was a banquet that we went to, and all the teams flew in. And uh, I, I remember walking up to the uh, buffet, and I had my plate, and there was a referee table. So all the referees were you know from all over the country. Yep. And Ron Tolman was sitting at the referee table, and he goes, "Hey, Crowley." And I look over, and he was like, come over here for a second. So I'm like, all right. So I walk over, so this big table full of referees from all over the country. And he was like, hey, tell these guys what you did in your league championship game. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, boy. So I tell the story, so they're all laughing. Well, our first game is against Flagstaff, Arizona, yep. in the first game. And so anyways, I think my first two shifts, I got penalties. My first two shifts. Like, yeah. I was a marked man for sure. And I think Searing sat me down. I don't think I saw a shift much that, that game. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of funny. I was a marked man for sure. Yeah, because uh, then they, they uh, Flagstaff had that big kid. Uh, was it Mike Wolf? He was like 6'7. I, I, I know as they came in, they had half shields. They all seemed like they were seven foot five, and yep. they were skilled. I, 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 did we beat them? Do you remember? I feel yeah. like we beat them. Yeah, yeah, we beat them. It was just that. Uh, 
All I remember was they had one kid that was really huge. He was a defenseman. And he ended up getting, a, 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 I think he got a tender, like, in the second intermission. It was, uh, they, were, they were telling me that. Because I saw him talking to a couple of scouts in the intermission. Yeah. And he ended up getting tendered uh, right in the middle of the game. <clears throat> yeah, they were good. They were a really good team. Yep. They were a really good team. We, we probably won because Searing sat me. <laughs> Let's not get too crazy now. But uh, so the, let's talk about the tournament here uh, with this Crowley is how um, I mean we we fought long and hard and still to me the greatest game that I personally ever witnessed one of the greatest games I ever witnessed was when Toledo played New York Apple Corps. Oh, that was a tough game. I mean they were they were the favorite. Yeah, they were the um, heavy favorite. It's. That was, you know why, and it's funny, it's such a blur mix, like, I just, I remember it was a tough game, I, I was playing, I was playing hurt, um, I had a ruptured bursa sack at my elbow, um, so there was like a big fluid buildup, and I, it looked like a tennis ball on the, on the edge of the elbow, and I mean, you would just, like, just barely rub it, and it would send chills down my spine, and, and I remember I was in a foot race for a puck, and, um, I got to the puck first, and the kid finished his check, and uh, I put my, you know, put my arms up to brace myself against the glass, and I mean, it, oh my gosh, I just, excruciating pain. I thought that my skin ruptured on my elbow. I, I, th- I thought it was, I thought I was, I was going to see blood on the ice, so I skate to the bench for a line change. And I take my jersey off, and uh, I took my elbow pad off, and I thought my elbow pad was going to be full of blood. And I looked, and there was nothing. And I look at my elbow, and the ball was gone. It was it was completely gone. Oh. So it's like wherever the fluid came from, like it got forced back to wherever it came from. Oh, <laughs> but, but it was a uh, it was a extremely physical game. I, I do remember that. I don't even remember the score. I remember I we was, pulled I think it, out. it was. It was either three two or two one, but I think it was two one. Yeah, I mean it was that was, it was a tight game, and you know we we definitely um, you know we got out of there and we were we were feeling pretty pretty fortunate because they were a hardy favorite. Yeah, I remember uh, Adam Pobiak was our goaltender. Yeah, yeah, and, and he he played out of his mind. And, yeah, he was he was fantastic. And uh, of course the the Apple Corps. Uh, Lazar's guys had uh, they had a couple of future NHLers. I think they had the Scuderi brothers. Okay. So yeah, uh, Robin Ken Scuderi. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. So um, you know, so they were they were nothing to you know sneeze at. They were a very very tough team. But uh, I just remember, I'm you know I'm thinking because I mean we're going to talk about the national championship game in a minute, but because I think that was the two to one game. So I think the Apple Core game was three two. So, but um, anyway, you know, you know, Toledo had to feel pretty good going into that national title game because of the, you know, I I mean, it was so hard to, you know, nobody beat Apple Corps back then. Right. Nobody. And the fact that we did it, yeah, it was on our home ice, but so what? I don't care if we were, you know, and and I don't care if we were at the old Joe Lewis Arena. You beat Apple Corps, man, that's something you feel good about because it didn't happen very often. Yeah, yeah. And then we have to turn around and beat the Kodiaks for the national title. Yeah, that's a tall task. Yeah, it is back to back. I mean, but that tells you just how good 
the quote-unquote junior B level of hockey was back then. Yes, it was. It was fantastic. It was really good. I mean, you know, like we said, you had future NHLers playing in that league. So you can't, you know, I, that's why I don't dismiss it at all. And right. I think I think a lot of us, as we get older, we realize, yeah, that was a really good league. You know? It was. But, I mean, obviously when you're a kid playing, you're like, all you're thinking of is move up, move up, move up. Right. But, but again, that's where that coaching and or when you become a coach or as you get older, you realize some of these things. Um, so let's let's go ahead and let's um, let's let's address the big elephant in the room, and that was the championship game. Yeah, uh, going yeah. into that thing, I mean, were you nervous? Were you excited? Yeah. I mean, you got both. I mean, you got you definitely have the butterflies in the stomach. Um, you know, it's it's cliche. You know, you can throw out all the cliches, but you know, I, I feel like if you're not nervous and you don't have those butterflies in your stomach, there, there's there's something wrong with you. Um, you know, even today coaching you know when i'm coaching in a big game i still have those same butterflies and because it's funny you know i i never drank or anything in in my i've I've never really i've never drank in my life now granted if there's a pineapple or an umbrella in it i'll I'll drink it but um you know i've never been drunk and uh to me that that feeling behind the bench or in the game that that those butterflies that's like my natural high that that i would always seek mm-hmm. and um so it, you know it's nervous uh but it's a good nervous right yeah and you know you you, you hear the you hear the cliches like you know when they talk about uh, you know in the stanley cup or the super bowl where you have the two fighters coming out and feeling each other out and, you know but and until you're in that situation, that game situation of, of a sport, it's, you know, you, you don't really know what that is. Right. Yeah. And, and I remember it's like, it's a very surreal feeling where it's like, you get out there, you got to get the bugs out that, you know, you feel like your, your legs aren't responding right, right away to, you know, if you want to go left, you know, and you got to work a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then obviously we're, we're in front of the whole, we're, home crowd right yeah uh so you know everyone's got their families in town you know obviously i'm at, you know i'm from Milan, right up the street so there's a lot of friends and family that would come down so you have that kind of added pressure uh because there's more people there to see you than normal right yeah it was a packed um, house that night yeah it was a packed house it, it was you know exciting to play in front of a crowd like that um for uh national championship mm-hmm. i mean you can count on one hand how many times you'll ever have an opportunity uh to to play for a national title and um you know that's definitely uh um, that was definitely a stage that i'll cherish for forever yep and that's uh, that was pretty incredible now of course everyone likes to razz you i know that about the uh about the tip-in and everything but I want to hear from your perspective uh, what happened as far as, uh, you know, the fact that the, the puck went off of you into the net for the Kodiaks. Well, I, I think, first of all, Nick, I, I think this is the biggest urban legend in hockey, first of all. I, I will. I, I think, you know, until, until I see actual footage of this goal, I, I don't think it actually happened. I think it's just been an urban legend. I remember in that tournament, it may have been against Kodiaks. I don't remember. The guy's coming down one-on-one, uh, cuts to the middle. I pivot. I put my stick out, uh, stick on puck, try and get a piece of the shot. He, he shoots it. 
I get a piece of it, it changes direction. Now, was that the game-winning goal? I don't recall that being the game-winning goal. Um, um, but, you know what, it's, uh, it's always been nice to, since it's gotten built up over the years as an urban legend, it's, it's nice to be able to tell people that I've scored a national championship goal, so I've just kind of <laughs> gone with it. But, but I don't know that I actually believe it unless there's some VHS footage out there. Oh, I'm sure there is because if I know uh, the Renegers had a, had a, all that video, I don't know what as far as uh, where they have it now, but I know that well, they did the for a long time. The podcast, if they listen to the podcast, I'd like them to dig that out and put this to rest yep. because I've had to live with this for quite a few years. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I'll, I'll make sure that they, they've got it now. You put it out there now, so well. Uh, hopefully, they'll be able to do that. So, but uh, so anyway, though. But you know what? I mean, and let's be honest. Uh, we could sit here and talk about you know how happy it was to play in a national championship game, how great that team was. But at the end of the day, the only thing I remember about losing that year was I didn't like it very much. I'm pretty sure you feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely stung. It was like. It, it's so weird because walking into the locker room afterwards, I mean, there was a lot of tears. Um, you know, it was, there was it, I don't know, it was, it was bittersweet. Like, it was, there was some sort of satisfaction because we, how far we went, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, getting past Apple Court, even being able to play for the national championship. Like, it was unbelievable that we went that far. Um, you know, it was disappointing, obviously, that, you know, we couldn't win the national championship in front of the home crowd and, yeah. you know, on your home ice. And and then, you know, and then for me, I that was it for me. My junior career was over just like that. Like, um, you know, I was I was aging out and I was on to school. And uh, it was that was sad, too, because, you know, I know there was a lot of teammates that went back the next that were returning. And my, my career was over, just like that. It's like four years, you snap your fingers, and it went by, like, just, you know, I feel like um, I'm sitting in the locker room, and I remember back to the Sylvania Hawks days in 91, where really, I feel like it all started, right? Uh-huh. And then, you know, and then getting traded away from Toledo, and then coming back and just just developing those relationships and having fun. Those two years in Toledo, and I, I've told Searing this, I've told Bob Zion this, I've told Todd Omi this. Those two last years I played in Toledo were two of the best years of my life. Well, no joke. Yeah, I don't and, doubt it. And you know what? I, like, I don't. I definitely didn't appreciate it then. But looking back at it, uh, I, I if I could go back and redo it in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, I would go back and do it. And um, so it was just, you know, it was, you know, I had to lump in my throat knowing that this was it. And it's, there was kind of a, a post-Olympic syndrome, too, that I went through, um, you know, for a week or two after. Um, because all the preparation, like the season ends and then you got the preparation, you got that pressure where you have to win the Gold Cup to get to the national tournament. Yeah. So then you get there and like, that was huge. I remember after we won the Gold Cup, uh, we, we show up to practice next week and we're all patting ourselves on the back and Searing skated us. And he was like, you guys aren't that good. You guys aren't that good. Like, if you think you're good, like, you didn't win anything. And he skated us and 
So then you have like the couple weeks of preparation for the national tournament. And then, you know, the week of the national tournament, you have like, there was, I feel like there was always something going on every day that week of the, the festivities leading up to it. Sure. I remember Gordy Howe was at the banquet. I got a picture in, in my box downstairs of him signing a book for me at the banquet. Um, you know, each game, it was exciting. And then after each game, you'd go out with your, your teammates and their families and stuff because everyone's families were in town. Uh-huh. And um, and then you, you lose in the national championship game, and it's like, boom, boom, it's over, right? And yeah. it's like, you know, and I remember driving down the next week where I, you feel like you should be going down to practice, and I was driving down to turn in my gear. Oh. Um, and it, it's just, it's over. Yeah. It's like the, truly a, the end, an end of a chapter of your life, yeah. uh, just like that. So it was, it was extremely bittersweet. You know, and it's and it's hard because yeah, some I mean those are your those are brothers, you know, your brothers that you went and did that with, and now all of a sudden, it's like uh, real life sneaks in there, and now it's like, oh, okay, yeah, real life. <laughs> you know, well, it's you like, know what's sad, Nick, is, is like you're right, and you, you you know you're you're working every single week with those guys, and you take it for granted when you're that age. Yeah. You just think that you're always going to be around those guys. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how many guys that were on those those two teams I was there in Toledo were I haven't talked to them or seen them since then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like you would you know some of those guys you would never fathom that. You would be like, "Oh yeah, we're always going to stay in touch and it just life happens." Yeah. And that that's sad too. That's extremely sad. But uh, you know, I mean, well, that's why we—that's why I'm doing this here with you, and why I do this with everybody else is because I want you guys to tell your story. I want you guys to be able to uh, reach out and talk about this stuff, so that somewhere along the way, maybe somebody who's just you know perusing through this stuff will come across your name and see this and say, "I remember him," and reach out. That's what I want to see. I want to see people reaching out to each other to reestablish contact with old teammates uh, yeah. and, and things. So that's that's my goal here with this. And also it's my opportunity to say thank you to all the guys, not only you, but to all the different guys that allowed me to achieve my dreams and stuff. I did it on the shoulders of you guys being able to talk about you behind a microphone for so many years. Oh, so. you were you were fantastic! You did a fantastic job, Nick. Yeah, I, I just remember a my mom was a big fan of yours. <laughs> well, I, yes, she was, and I always appreciated. And so was your dad too. Uh, they yeah. were always big fans, and I always appreciated talking to them because you know you always, especially when we would go like uh, when we would go, um, you know, when we had different teams that we would play, especially in the nationals, uh, when we had different teams, and I didn't know anybody in the stands. And I'd look around and I'd see them, and it'd be like, okay, I got some familiarity there, so we're right. good, you know, and and stuff. And they were always so sweet to me; they were always so cool, and I absolutely loved them, and still think the world of them. But uh, I'm just saying, I, I, I like I tell people, I got to spend tw- over 20 years of watching hockey and not have to pay for it. That's right, you know, right. that's that's how yeah. I look at it. You know, it's like I got to be the biggest. <laughs> oversized fan on the face of the planet and when it's something you love you don't work a day in your life right you got that right brother you got that right so before we wind her up uh tell me uh you you finally you got it you told me about getting into coaching with uh with some help from bob zion and yeah. where did it lead you to now 
Yeah, so, you know, I, he brought me on board um, as an assistant coach in 1999. Uh, I was umpiring minor league baseball at the time. I had a four-year minor league baseball umpire career. And um, I was in the uh, Gulf Coast League in uh, July. I was down in Sarasota, Florida. got a call from Bob Zion summer of 1999 said he took the head coaching job at Eastern Michigan University wanted to know if I'd be interested in being an assistant coach and um, I, you know, I was completely out of hockey and I needed something to do when I got back from baseball so um, you know I told him um, sure and I, I really I thought I was just going to be more of a puck pusher yeah. uh, I didn't realize how involved I would actually become. And what was interesting is on that team uh, in 99 at Eastern Michigan University, there was so many former teammates of mine from juniors that were playing on the team and former guys that I played against in the CSHL. So, I mean, you had, you know, uh, from the Cherokees, you had Kellemeyer, you had Scott Bricker, um, you you had uh, Mike York, uh, Kovaleski, Danny Mazadix from Motor City, um, you know, Craig Morton uh, played for Royal Oak. Um, you know, there was, so it was it was a unique situation for me because I had to step in in a coaching role with guys that I played with or against. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had two unbelievable seasons at Eastern Michigan. Um, we lost in the national championship game in '99 to Penn State. Um, the next year, we went to the national tournament in um, at Arizona, University of Arizona. And then uh, Coach Zion stepped down after two years, and then I took uh, an assistant coaching job with the Wayne Wheels in the CSHL. And um, uh, again, I thought I was going to be more of a puck pusher. Well, two weeks into the season, the head coach had to step away for personal reasons, and they offered me the head coaching job. Wow. So, I mean, I was in my you know early 20s, and I was like, well, I guess I, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. Yeah. I, I, you know, at the time, I didn't feel like I was ready to be a head coach. Well, that was probably one of the best things that happened to me was getting thrown right into the fire. So we, uh, we didn't have a really good season that year. I remember we got spanked by Omi in Toledo. Yeah. And uh, they had a really good team that year. Um, and then in um, 2002, I had a really good season with Wayne Mills. Actually, we, we jumped late. Um, we made the last playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And I remember Toledo was one of the top teams in the country. They had, um, I remember their power play was lethal. They were probably clicking at 40%. They had, I, I remember their number one unit from scouting it. But I believe it was, uh, you had uh, Kelly Kester, you had Chris Kraft, you had uh, Ben Key, uh, Chris Hoy, and Larry Willard. And I mean, they were deadly. And I remember we had a game where they put up nine goals on us, Toledo did, and we lost. And six out of the nine goals were on the power play. And it made me totally revamp my entire penalty-killing philosophy. Plus Omi's power play. And so anyways, we uh, we ended up making um, uh, the last spot for the playoffs that year. And uh, we played uh, we played Toledo in the first round, and we had to you had to win the first round of the playoffs to advance to the Gold Cup. Sure. And um, so, anyways, we played uh, Omi's Toledo team. They played out of Monroe for some reason. That yeah, year. yeah, because we had trouble scheduling 
uh, at Tamil Shanner because they were so in love with the high schools because the high schools are what made them their money. Money, right. You know, okay. so, you know, when you have, you know, uh, a, well over a thousand fans in there every night for every high school game, and you got us, and we've got a few family members and scouts, and that's it. Right. You know, it was a lot easier for them to say, you know, we're going to give the benefit of the scheduling to the high school team. So uh, Monroe had a t- had an open rank, so they said we can come up there if we wanted, so we did. Right. Well, so we, you know, that was probably the two, that series was the best two out of three in Monroe, and it was probably one of the best hockey game series that I've ever been a part of. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were a huge underdog. And uh, I think Anthony Toko was the goaltender for Toledo. Yep. And, um, uh, you know, that Willard, Kraft, Kester, all those guys. And uh, we ended up sweeping Toledo in two games two to, by scores of 2-1. to one. So it was a huge upset for us. And we ended up going to the national tournament, and we played in the semifinals at the national tournament that year and lost. And... Um, then the next year, so right at the after that national tournament, Chuck LeMay had approached me about uh, being the head coach at Toledo, and I turned I turned it down just because you know I felt like I had something good going at Wayne, right? Mm-hmm. And I was expecting to have a good draft for the following year. Well, then I, I ended up getting let go uh, from Wayne. Um, Terry Kacharski, the owner, hired his brother Corey. Um, you know, I like Corey, good guy. Um, it's just what it is, you know. There's sometimes there's just politics. It, yep. it is what it is. Uh, at the time, you know, I was probably more bitter about it, but time heals. And um, so, anyways, uh, Chuck Chuck Lemay reached out and said, "Well, we you know we hired someone, um, but you know we'd be looking for another assistant coach. You know, we'd like to interview you." So they interviewed me, and, and I accepted the job. It was uh, Chris Varga was the head coach. Brian Kinsella was his right hand man, and I came on board and coached the D for that year. We had a, a a solid team that year. I think we lost in the first round of the playoffs that year. Um, and then um, from there, I, I was asked to uh, interview at Honeybaked for their U16 job. And actually, John Cooper, who just won the Cup of Tampa as the head coach, the year before, he had coached for the Metro Jets. Yeah, to a they won a national championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Coop's won wherever he's gone, right? Well, yep. his right-hand man, Burkhart, who is also a scout with Tampa, they had just finished coaching at Honeybeck to uh, U18, so they threw my name in the hat and said, hey, you, you should interview uh, Cole for this job. So um, I ended up taking the job, and I had the U16 program there for three years at Honeybeck, and then um, I moved up and took the U18 job. And I'll tell you what, I had six unbelievable teams, uh, Nick. Um, you know, over, over those years, I've coached 18 NHL draft picks, came through that program. Um, uh, I coached probably 200 kids that played Division One college hockey from those teams, uh, OHL draft picks. Um, on the, the U16 Honey Big team that I coached in 2006, six kids off that team made the national development program. And that's unprecedented. There's never been six kids from one program to meet, meet, make the program. So, um, you know, I had the opportunity to coach really high-end kids. Uh, one of them's Cam Fowler that plays for Anaheim. So, that was great. And then in um, uh, 2010, I took the director of hockey ops position at Bowling Green, uh, Chris Bergeron. It was his first year there. Um, uh, he had just come from Miami as the assistant with uh, Rico, under Rico Blase. And, um, 
you know, it was a fun year. It was great. I'll admit, I totally underestimated the drive to Bowling Green. I was commuting from Dexter, Michigan. Wow. And, um, you know, you, you get to Toledo, you think you're almost there, right? Yep. And it's another, what, 30, 40 minutes to Bowling Green. Yes. So I was kind of, I was working my real job and, and then, you know, going down there, uh, you know, three, four days a week, then the, you know, the weekend games, you're, you're there all weekend. And our first semester, we had road trips to Fairbanks, Alaska, RPI, New York, Clarkson, New York. And I had some personal things going on in my life with my job and, and, uh, um, you know, I got my wife pregnant with our first and, and, um, you know, at the end of that year, I remember I had a meeting with Burrs and Burrs said, hey, if you want to come back, you know, it's your job. You just, you know, I'm going to need a little bit more out of you. I need you down here more. Burrs was unbelievable to work for. I mean, he really worked with me. He knew I was working another job, you know, uh, up in Ann Arbor. So uh, I remember driving home from Bowling Green that day and I was I looked myself in the mirror and I was trying to think of every possible way to, to make it work. But you know what? I uh, Jenny was due that spring and, um, um, you know, it was more than just about me. Right now yeah. I got to feed, feed, feed mouths. Right. So, um, I, I stepped away. I ended up going back to honey bake to U 16, uh, won a state championship there. Then I went over to little Caesars for three years, coach their U 16 program. Then went back to Honey Bake. So I finished in 2018. I coached the U15 Honey Bake program, and then I, I dropped down and I'm coaching my son's. Um, it's my second year coaching my son's team, and I've got his first year squirt team, uh, Honey Bake. He's a 2011, <laughs> and, and and he's tough as nails. <laughs> Gee, wonder where he got that from. <laughs> so it's it's been quite a quite a ride uh, coaching and. Uh, you know, I, I the success that I've had in, in coaching youth hockey and, you know, getting a little bit of college under my belt in juniors, like, you know, I, I attribute that to, you know, what I learned um, under the coaching staff at Toledo with, with Coach Zion, Coach Searing, Coach Omi. Um, you know, they had those three guys really, you look back over your life and, um, you know, over your childhood and, you know, there's certain people that, um, had a, a profound effect on on your development and how you are. And when I look back, those three guys really, really, really had a profound effect on me and how how who I am today. And you know, I think that Todd Omi, for example, you know, he he basically has seen me grow up. Yeah. You know, he he coached me first year. He coached me. I was a sophomore in high school. And, um, you know, and then Zion coached with me for, I coached with Zion for two years. He coached with me for six. Uh, Searing and I stay in touch. Uh, we, run, we run into each other at the rink. He's, he's coaching in the AAA circuit. Um, and, I, you know, I talk, to, I talk to Omi probably once, you know, once a month. And uh, every now and then Zion and, and um, you know, Searing, same thing. So I still keep in touch with those guys. And, um, you know, they, they really had a profound effect on me. Well, there's, you can't you can't argue with that, and the results speak for themselves. So, um, before we finish up here, um, if you had any advice you would give to a current Cherokee player, uh, whether it was you know the current team because they're tearing it up right now, uh, they're doing really well. And, I heard they're I heard they're doing really well. Yeah, they are. And what I would say is, what would you say to a current player right now, uh, now that you've had the you know the benefit of time? to look back yeah no that's a that's a really great question 
Um, in, in, it's interesting. Uh, there was a kid that I coached. Um, his name was Kevin Lynch. And he ended up playing at the University of Michigan. And then he was drafted in 2009 in the second round by Columbus. And uh, his first game at the University of Michigan, I, I was uh, talking to his dad at Yost Ice Arena. And I kind of asked this question. Uh, he, he managed uh, my U16 team that Kevin played for me on. And uh, I asked him the same question, and he really nailed it. He said that, you know, he goes, we were always in such a rush that we forgot to enjoy the ride. And, and that really has stuck with me uh, throughout the years. And I think that, especially when you're playing junior hockey, um, you're in such a rush, right? You want to get to the next level. You've got your goals, which is great that you have goals and you want to achieve them and get there. But, but you, you want to make sure that you enjoy the ride. Um, and I think, you know, other guys that you talk to when you have your podcast, I think they would agree. It's like, it, it's such a blur now. Uh, like you, you, you ask me specifics about scores and everything, like against Applecorn, against the Kodiaks, and you know, you were you were telling me about you know about what a tough game Applecorn was. All I can remember is that I played injured with the with the ball on my elbow, and it was a physical game, yeah. and that's all I remember about it. Like all the, they all run together, and. It's just like you need to enjoy the moment. And I told you that if I could go back and do it all over again, I would just so I could go back and, and really make sure I was enjoying it. Yeah. And, and not that I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed it, but you take it for granted and you're in such a rush that you don't live in the moment, you know, and it's about those relationships with your teammates and, and, and a lot of the things that you do off the ice and um, you know, the relationships that you have with coaches, because those coaches, what they teach you, um, a lot of those things that, that the coaches teach you will stick with you forever um, in your real life. Like if you you become a coach yourself or just, you know, in your regular job. And I'm a big believer in youth sports and people kids playing sports because it teaches those life lessons. Yes. So, you know, to, like I said, I, I think, it, you know, if I had to give advice, I would say, enjoy the ride, enjoy the ride. You don't want to get there at the end of the day. And it's a blur. Uh, well, uh, Crowley, let me ask you here. My last question for you. And that is, um, is there anything you want to say to uh, Cherokee nation? Because we got, like I said, we got players, we got coaches, we got alumni, We've got fans that listen to this each and every episode. And I always give you guys a platform that if you have something you want to say to the, uh, to the, uh, to the base. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know what? There's a, there's a rich tradition uh, when it comes to Cherokee hockey. And, you know, it, it was, it was, it started with a vision by, by Doc McCarthy, Chris Rediger, Chuck LeMay. And they created that culture back in, uh, you know, 92, 93, right around then. And uh, it's just unbelievable how that's kind of stuck, you know, uh, all the way through. And it's, you know, passed on now. Um, you know, now I know the teams at the Ice House. Well, you know, when I coached there, it was we were at the Ice House. And, you know, Kenny Miller now is the um, uh, does he own the team? I know he was the head coach. Does he also own the team? No, he's uh, he's general manager, head coach and general manager 
But uh, the team is run by uh, several folks, uh, including the Manders, uh, Carrie and Don Manders. And I know that uh, his dad was the president, his late father was the president of the team for quite right up until his passing. And, uh, you know, and of course, the, you know, guys like Lee Ekman are involved now. And uh, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's the, the future is in good hands. Yeah, that, and that's good. And it's just, I, I think it's incredible that, you know, it's, <laughs> we're going into 2021 and we're, we're still talking about Cherokee hockey from when it started in 1993. And, um, uh, you know, you, you know how it is nowadays, especially where the junior teams come and they go. Yep. They come and they go. You know, some some rich dad wants their kid to play junior, so he buys a franchise for two years, and then you know his kid goes to their program, and they fold up shop, right? Yep. And the fact that this has just been this organization has been so stable, and you know you have you have a couple constants. You know, you, you like what you're doing with this podcast, Nick is. For, phenomenal it's fantastic just to keep the memories alive and have the new blood like hear the stories from the old blood and and uh that's really really special that you're doing this and and uh by the way congratulations on the sap award uh, that you won uh i think what last january right yeah and that was funny because you were it i i was hook line and sinkered because if you remember i thought it was going to go to omi and I thought it was T.O.'s, so I, I reached out to you yes. to ask for some stories about T.O., and here it was, was they, they got me, hook, line, and sinker. They fooled me. Well, you know what's funny, Mick, is that you asked me to write a few words, you know, about Omi, right? Yeah. And, and you know how I feel about Todd Omi, so yeah. uh, you said that you needed it by Friday. Well, I'm in Buffalo for a hockey tournament. I'm in the hotel, and I just, I got tucked in the bed, and I was like, Damn, I told I told Mick I would have something to him by tonight. So I banged out, and it was probably way longer than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. And I banged out this long message to you, to, uh, you know, about about Tio. And then I saw on Facebook that you won the SAP award. I was like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious! But congratulations on that. That's, that was quite an honor. Yeah, it was. Is it, I, I still get all choked up when I think about that and stuff. Um, but. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, do you have any questions for me before we wind her up? No, it's uh, it was great talking to you, man. And it's like you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight because now I'm all excited and <laughs> relive reliving these memories. And uh, you know, I'm very nostalgic, right? Yeah, I'm very nostalgic, and I talk to Kellemeyer at least once a week, oh. and we, we both love just like going down memory lane and so that's why you know i've caught quite a few of, the, of your episodes and it's just uh it's really fun to, to listen and just the different eras of of, of hockey and and uh, uh just fine fine memories and you know I'll, ch- I'll cherish those memories until the day i die and like i said if i could go back and redo it i would i would go back and redo it in a heartbeat mick yeah. it's fantastic I so understand. and you do a great job man appreciate it buddy appreciate it a load well, I'll tell you what. Uh, thank you for doing this, Crowley. It's been a lot of fun. And, yeah, uh, no, it was a blast. Um, anyway, my thanks to Rob Crowell for hanging out with us here on episode 36 of the Cherokee Rewind. Don't forget to give us a follow on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Just give us a follow, and we will. Uh, you can download it. Every, we drop them every Wednesday and Saturday, and so uh, we always look forward to doing that. And, of course, we love hearing from you. 
So be sure to give us a, a line. Let us know what you think. Who, uh, if there's any players that you can think of that we need to get on the podcast, I always look forward to that as well. So for Rob Kroll, I am Mick, and we will talk to you soon as you've been hanging out here listening to the Cherokee Rewind.